0: Welcome back to a Christian and a Buddhist walk into a bar. My name is Jamal and I'm a Buddhist. I'm Jacob. I am a Christian.
1: And I'm Rebecca and I'm still a Christian. Whoa,
2: she's back, Jamal. It's almost like we sideposted this in the last episode. It's
0: almost like we did. And however, I, I would like to to actually call you out on something, Rebecca. Um, I found out in, in the intermediary time between episodes that you missed Zumba to come on this podcast.
1: I did miss Zumba to come on this podcast.
0: I, I don't know whether to be uh, offended on the behalf of Zumba or appreciative on the behalf of us. But su- I'm a,
2: appreciative on the behalf of us, so you can decide whatever you want. I mean, maybe
0: I'll, I'll take offended on the behalf of Zumba.
1: I think it's a, I think it's a pretty... It, it, it means something a lot if I'm uh, giving up my Monday night Zumba to be somewhere that is not Zumba. I will skip church on a Sunday, but rarely will I skip Zumba.
0: I, the, the church of Zumba is, is strong. Mm.
1: Would you mm-hmm. say you're
2: religious about Zumba? Um,
1: I feel like that's a leading question, Jacob, especially given the entire content that we've been talking about in the recent episodes. Well, so, a- if, if, so if you-,
2: you haven't heard the last episode, as always, when we write part two on something, please go back and listen to part one. But we were talking about um, religious appropriation, right?
0: Yes. Well, no, I know I have a very important question, which is,
2: is Zumba religious
0: appropriation?
1: <laughs> um, as we also discussed in the uh, meantime, uh, I have not actually done research into whether there is uh, appropriation in It's based on Latin American Zumba.
2: dancing, right? Is that the yes? Have, have I got the right phenomenon?
1: Yeah, there's uh, yeah. there's a bit of everything else chucked in there too.
0: Right, but it's kind of dance exercise and that kind of thing. Dance exercise, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, look. Um, you
1: won't know you're exercising. Yeah. Well, look, it's I, just I, too much. Fun. Oh, I would know. I would know. <laughs> as somebody
0: who perceives Jesus as Lord of the dance, then I, I reckon there might be some <laughs> some link here between some religion we can draw. But um, but Jacob, you had an actual thing you wanted to talk about this episode.
2: Yeah. No, a couple of things. Um, but where, where we might jump off is so in the um, we we're talking in the last episode about the book Stealing My Religion by Liz Booker, who um, Rebecca, she brought along the book. She didn't bring along Liz, but you know what we mean. Um, Liz, come on the podcast. And (laughs) and Jamal and I um, didn't read the book, but we did listen to a a podcast that Liz did with Radio National. And one of the things that really um, stuck out to me in that was her comment that, almost in passing, that you can't really appropriate... Things from uh, evangelical Christianity uh, or from Pentecostalism because they're both so busy like borrowing and appropriating from mainstream pop culture. So, so does it go that
0: way though, right? So cause I think we're often talking about uh, mainstream non-religious groups borrowing religious things, right, which mm. is kind of the premise here. I mean, does it flow the other way that uh, that religious people borrowing non-religious things, is that the same thing?
2: Well, it probably depends on what's being borrowed, right? Like we we touched on kind of um, South American Christianity borrowing from indigenous South American symbols, um, mm. like like does that if, if if you're one religion borrowing? Well, I guess that's borrowing from another religion, isn't it? Mm. Is, is is pop music religious?
0: Yeah, is is pop music religious? And and, and and
2: who would be the group that would kind of decide what's appropriate? borrowing or appropriation or not well, in this instance.
0: Well, that's kind of it, right? So we spoke last time about the kind of the the little three-tiered test that Liz proposes for like whether or not something's borrowing and you're going to have to remind me on what that was, back.
1: So to develop a set of principles to follow when engaging with religious practices as uh, as an outsider. So this could include recognising power differentials between ourselves and the religious community in question. Another could be pursuing forms of religious engagement beyond tolerance – that take religious difference as a new source of as a source of new values and ways of life and finally we might mean, need to be explicit that the expression of our individual autonomy needs to be curtailed so as to recognize respect and allow the freedom and flourishing of others
0: right and i think for me the two ones that stick out there which is like do the power differentials exist between a religious group and a non-religious group right like like is do, does a non institution or a non mm. kind of grouping of people have any inherent group power uh, that you could kind of have a differential for? And then also a kind of thing of, you know, yeah, it is like, you see, we talk about curtailing individual freedoms, like, it, it's the Pentecostals or the evangelicals, they're not. It's not an individual freedom. It's a, it's a religious practice. It's a group kind of expression of something. And I don't know. Like, I, I'm I'm not fully sold on the idea that the Pentecostals trying to be rock stars is in some way kind of appropriative.
2: It's it is an interesting question of um, like where it draws on um, different cultural practices as well, right? Like, because just hearing you reading through that again, Bec, like, brought to mind for me, like, the just calls into question aspect of the whole missionary endeavour within Christianity, right? Like, and within the framework that Liz Booker lays out, like, to to what extent is it permissible to translate scripture, say, into someone's language without checking with the people whose language that is of, of is that a, you know, you're making a face like it's a like you've just bitten into a lemon or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's about right. It's
2: because there's also this thing. So to um, that, that goes the other way within Christian thinking, right? Of like how much of the culture outside of Christianity can you safely kind of appropriate or contextualize, if you like? Of or or at what point does being a rock star and doing rock music bring you into something that is inherently un and you should not do that because that's dragging you away from the core of the teachings, right? It's corrupting the religion to bring that stuff in.
1: I think that's where the last point she makes in that list really comes to shine is that you do need to engage in some critical self-reflection. Like, it's not just, oh, there's a set of rules. No, you have to sit and think mm-hmm. and you have to make a call probably in relationship with the people that you're taking it from, potentially, and within yourself, is this, do I need this? Is this right? Or, you know, what is right? What is wrong? However, that would be a huge mile for that one. <laughs> um.
0: Well, I, I, I find that, so I, I, I'm going to try and pin you on this one, Jacob. I, yeah, I, please. I, 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 I've, got, I've got a sniff here. I've got a sniff.
2: Here. I feel like I threw out like 20 different things you yeah. could pin me on just
0: well, then. So, so the, the one that I'm going to try and pin you on is I think your example of, translating religious texts into different languages is the most Lutheran example
2: you could use, right?
0: Sure. Because I mean, the Catholics would say, no, you shouldn't. Like, the, the Catholics would absolutely. Well, they say, would have said
2: that at one point. Sure, I don't but, think but, they'd say that post Vatican II. Sure. Well,
0: yeah, I did. But Relativism <laughs> and all these kind of things in there. But, like, the, the the point is, right, there are people who say that the language in which the Bible or.
2: Well, is, I think the Quran is your better your example. Quran, yeah, yeah. On that. You're on is, solid ground with, with the Quran.
0: Sure. Uh, but, yeah, the Quran or the Bible or whatever it is, they're absolutely a position that says the language in which you say it and write it and do, engage with it is super important and matters and it is deeply offensive nay blasphemous to to translate that into a different um thing and i think as a lutheran who highly you know whose whole sect as far as i'm aware is based on wanting to translate the thing away from the language <laughs> then like i w- w- how do you then stand on this position of oh yeah so it's my whole part of Christianity is based on wanting to translate something into a more understandable thing. But actually I'm not sure how I feel about like, you know, Pentecostals grabbing pop music and using that to translate. Biblical well, messages no, no, I, into, so, sorry.
2: I, I was literally questioning yeah. the legitimacy Shop. of translating it into another yeah, language. Yeah. That was kind well,
0: of. Well, my, well, for you, for, I mean, that's the like, answer for you, isn't it? Like, yes, it's fine. It's legitimate.
2: Well, no, but like I'm, I'm asking more about the, the receivers. Of that, right? Like, if if I you know translate the the, if I translate scripture into Rebeccaish, if we assume Rebeccaish is a it's a unique language that exists. What at about Simlish?
1: Shavudu and ajabada. No, no Sims fans in the house. Okay. Oh, the Sims. Oh, the Oh, Sims. Yeah. Okay. So okay.
2: if if I if I translate scripture into Simsish, um, and the majority of the Sim culture does not want to. To, to that to exist as a thing like is, is that problematic
0: well i mean yes but i think maybe it's an unhelpful colour, it, it, hypothetical it, 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 it's not religious borrowing I, I think we've moved away from like that to me is is um is missionaryism right which yeah, sure. is problematic for all sorts of different reasons i think it's quite different to religious appropriation
1: sure cool yeah i think we've uh, jumped onto a different ship yeah.
2: Yep. There you go. It's two on one. There you go. Jim. Okay. Well, well, we'll jump off this ship, then. Um, I, I don't know where we're jumping well, to. Someone a, a, else can jump so
0: off, so off this ship. I, I'll, 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 st- I'll stay on the, the lifeboat of the ship. Um, <laughs> have you ha- have you read um, have you read the message? I have made, read. The,
2: uh, I've met the message. Yeah.
0: And what's your thought on the, mes- the message then, as a kind of inter English translation piece? That's great.
2: Like it. it, it as as long as you take it for what it is, which is a non-literal translation, which is a perfectly fine translation philosophy. Yeah. Um, I th- it's it's dated quite a bit, so it's about twenty years old-ish, twenty-five years old. So, for those who
0: don't know, the message is a is an attempted translation of the Bible into, I guess, modern day language.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, and and because it's a, a translation into modern day language, it uses some idioms that are now kind of rather nineties and. That's
0: that's cool. That's what it is. Yeah. Have, have, I mean, so mm-hmm. shifting us a little bit back towards religious uh, appropriation, yes, and that kind of thing. <laughs> we, we <laughs> try, try and get the shit back on course. Um, Beck, do you like? Do you see religious appropriation in kind of daily life? Because I feel like it's everywhere, and we just kind of it blends in a lot.
1: Um, I think uh, this might uh, lead you to some of the required reading I sent through before I came on the podcast. Um, Uh, There was an article put up... We could
2: not have her again. She makes us do homework. Oh, no. That's
1: all right. There was an article put up, um, again, uh, on the ABC around um, a a, a lady who'd been asked to be a godparent uh, but grappled with the, well, I'm an atheist, so how can I be a godparent? Um, And the article just looks at some of her personal reflections and what she thinks about it. And um, this is one of those cases where uh, the idea of godparents, especially in... um, uh, I guess circular Australian society has become more of a cultural phenomenon rather than the religious phenomenon or part of the religious tradition where it stemmed from, uh, and that's something that really stood out to me when I was like, "Oh, yep, there it is. There's 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 a case of something that is completely being taken out of its religious roots." Mm.
0: And Actually, that brings me to an interesting kind of line of thinking around like the intersection between cultural appropriation and religious appropriation, right? Like, so yeah, it's um, I, I think that's a really good point around that the godparent thing because that that is such a cultural thing, right? Like, a godparent is no longer a religious, a religious thing, or yeah, I'm sure it is in lots of circles, but yeah. yeah, it's not necessarily yeah. religious. Um, and and yet, I don't know, like, is there a lower I mean, they're obviously interconnected, but is there a lower barrier to being allowed to engage in kind of cross-cultural practices versus cross-religious practices and that kind of thing?
2: I think there's probably a higher barrier to engaging in cross-cultural practices than cross-religious practices more broadly. I think... In a post-colonial world of you know tearing down the statues of slave owners and this kind of stuff, and you know the, the ABC running a series on stuff the British stole and and whether things should be repatriated, like I mean that that whole conversation of of what should and shouldn't be repatriated, and the um, Chinese billionaires buying up Chinese things so they can bring them back to China, like that, uh, we're hyper aware of cross-cultural appropriation in a way that I. I don't think we are culturally, at least not in the West, of cross-religious appropriation. And where we are aware of cross-religious appropriation, that's where it's also cross-cultural um, appropriation. Uh, so the, the you know it, an example of this might be the um, the cartoons that were drawn of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, um, a few years ago in Scandinavia, that caused you know a massive Outcry across the um, the Islamic world, and and you know, more recently the the tragedy that happened with Charlie Hebdo, and and everything that's going on there, like that's that's cross religious appropriation done in a secular Western context, where that is just so incredibly appropriate, right? Like, as in, if if you do that kind of thing about the Pope. Yes, there's going to be a lot of people who are upset and offended about that. But you, would, you wouldn't you would expect the the death threats and, you know, the shootings that happened in Hebdo and that kind of thing to, to happen on the same level because it, it's just so completely inappropriate within an Islamic context. But that's not only cross-religious, that's cross-cultural. And, I mean, even... What is a culture and what is a religion are interesting questions here. Um, listeners will have just heard our re-release of our What is a Religion mm-hmm. 3 part of while you were away over in um, wherever you were, Jamal. In, in,
0: in Thailand, collecting Buddha statues to, to, to <laughs> hawk <laughs> on the street for, um, for, for all sorts of different... Um, cheap Prices, just
2: email yeah. christianbuddhistbar at gmail.com and get your Buddha statue from <laughs> <Gmail>. <laughs> um But the... Oh, where was I going with this? Um, but because, like, a, a godparent, I personally I would argue is actually more of a cultural thing than it is a specific religious thing, and and more associated with certain Western developments of Christianity than it like it's it's not mentioned in Christian scripture or the teaching of Jesus or like you know maybe alluded to in some of the ancient practices of the church, right? So is is that cultural or is that religious and, and where do you draw the line between the two
1: it's almost like things might be uh circular and maybe not linear i think what comes around goes around um that was a helpful interesting comment to add
2: thanks rebecca yeah
1: Thank
2: you. i can i talk for a second about yoga
1: absolutely yes yoga is the class i go to on wednesday nights okay so, good
0: yeah. so all right actually all right i'm gonna Ooh pry here a little bit, how much do you feel like your yoga class appropriates from Hindu religion?
1: Um, I've not reflected too much on that. The, the style of yoga that I do is the Les Mills um, uh, body balance, so they uh, use a bit of yoga, some different uh, exercises from Tai Chi, um, Pilates, a couple other different... Just regular strength trainings. Well, they take from a couple of different practices in there, in that sense. Um, at no point in the class have I ever been asked to say namaste at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that Liz talks about in her book about what are we saying when we say namaste and why.
0: And, and also, actually, I the point on namaste that I was going to make, which led me to that right there, is that namaste is not even really a thing that's said in Hinduism. The yeah. word is namaskar. And it's a total, like, it it kind of forms the same function, but, like, where do you even get that word from? (laughs) You you just kind of took it and just tried to say it, and it didn't and whatever.
1: Yeah, look, it's um, reflecting on yoga practice and teaching yoga and how it's been um, uh, used in a secular Western context is something that Liz goes into in her book, Stealing My Religion, not just any cultural appropriation, as I'm uh, apparently selling this book here in Australia. Yeah. Um, and she reflects on her own personal experience of the deep discomfort she felt when looking into yoga practice further and what are these these moves that we're making, what are these words that we're saying. That they're, they're from somebody else. They're from a different culture. Mm. They're from different um, religious practices, religious plural practices there as well. And, you know, if you're doing a chaturanga where you're, pretty much lying against the floor with your arms on the ground. That move in itself is a prostration to a god. Mm, which the next time I did a chaturanga in yoga class, I was like, oh, who am I prostrating to today? I am not sure. So um, I've definitely been doing a bit of reworking around that, around how do I engage in yoga.
2: Mm.
1: And how where is where is that line that I'm going to draw
0: yeah and I, I I find yoga a fascinating one I mean like again my father's a yoga teacher so is it's an interesting kind of intersection here but like you know it, it is that thing where it's like and, and again the difficulty is with yoga being Hindu and Hindu almost almost being more of a culture than a religion like it, there's kind of a, a it's tric- really a tricky line there yeah. um but also like, I, either way there's a level of appropriation going on right like and it, it, that is a thing um and you know l- let alone the misuse of the word namaste which it's it, again i kind of like i almost have it as a litmus test that any yoga teacher that says namaste i'm like no nah, you're not legit that's it that's about it like, that is that is my bar um because you know there is a way of engaging with yoga that's just like yeah these are physical exercises that are designed to do a certain thing and like there's almost a again going to Liz's kind of like little checklist like yeah there's a way in which you're using it with the way it's supposed to be intended and you're using it as a kind of preparatory exercise to warm your body up and do that kind of thing but then the amount of white yoga teachers who got a certification from Bali who like really
2: just like you know the yoga place near my house do retreats to Bali every year or so there you go right exactly (laughs) that
1: I'd say in terms of my own um yoga practice uh it's generally not just yoga it is Mm. a class that is designed to be multiple different kinds of Mm. um kind of yoga-esque pilatesque um activities i think if i were i would feel way more uncomfortable leaning into the the spiritual side of yoga or the way that it is portrayed in i guess a um like a western monetized come to and pay for yoga class and somebody will say namaste to you and you know my the the peace in me sees the peace in you namaste kind of approach at the end
2: which is like, an interesting kind of like to to riff on appropriation like what parts of a religion are being appropriated as well right so so this was in a her rn um interview liz booker made, made the comment that the Um, Yoga didn't take off in the US for a long time because it was Eastern and foreign and weird and it needed to be whitewashed to actually make it in. But it's interesting, the the things that we've been talking around this episode and last episode, it only just kind of hit me, are are kind of more uh, physical artifacts almost in a way, like a a Buddha statue or a, um, a cross tattoo or a Satanist tattoo for that matter, um, a, a drawing of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, um, and and none of those, so far as I can tell, actually go to the the deep practice of a religion. Right? Like I'm I'm trying to think of cases, and I'm I'm sure there are some, but they're not springing to mind where scripture has been appropriated wholesale in in some. Way, shape or form other than, you know, perhaps having a, a Quran on your bookshelf to show that you're well-traveled or something like that. Or in, in the Christian context, like the, the practice of prayer or, you know, Eucharist or, or that kind of thing, like it's, it's one thing to have a crucifix symbol or a, a rosary, although that's kind of more connected to Catholic actual practice. But it's like, yeah, well they're they're symbols and certainly for me as a Christian, they're they're not at the core of what it actually means to practice Christianity, right? So
0: here's an interesting one. Is the use of the Lord's prayer in a explicitly secular context, like say a parliament or something? I don't a think that should be done. Yeah, yeah,
2: we can do an episode on that. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, and, and I don't I don't think that should be done partly because I don't think most of the people who are ostensibly saying it actually care about what they're saying. And, and to, to go back to the the harm of the appropriator that we were talking about last episode, I think that's absolutely the case with the Lord's Prayer and it, it actually cheapens mm. the Lord's Prayer. I, I know there are some Christians that take very much the opposite view, that they want to kind of keep it in because... Th- That that way we can pretend that our society is still more Christian than it is. And
1: they're still trying to be accountable to something other than a human. That's the other argument I've heard on that one. And
2: and that would be great if they were trying to be accountable (laughs) to something other than a human, right? Like I'm I'm absolutely in favour of having more politicians who are Christian who are actually practising their Christianity. I think that would be a great thing. But uh, why pretend? Yep. Yeah. I, Absolutely. yeah they, they, they should do the, the Lord's Prayer to Adam Smith instead, right? That, that's for a bit more
0: accurate for, for how see evening.
2: <laughs> Did you hear um, Tim Minchin's song, Adam Hills? That he uh, Adam Hill song, sorry, was yeah, the right. song on the, the end of an episode of Fix and Specs. You should look it up on YouTube, um, Adam Hill song by Tim Minchin. And while you're on YouTube, also just look up The Warlord and the Bishop by Fry and Laurie, um, which is just, we started last episode talking about musical mm. uh, appropriation, The Warlord and the Bishop. Um, from a sketch show perspective, very much do that. <laughs> Actually, can we double back to harm? Because I think that's an interesting point we haven't spoken about. Which yeah. is,
0: what is the harm in taking and appropriating religious things? Right? Because I, I think all of us here as religious people can probably experientially feel that there is a harm. But for those people who are not religious, like well, yeah, what what is the harm? Other than it makes me feel bad.
1: Uh, I th- I think in the same way. Well I don't want to inappropriately draw a comparison to cultural appropriation when you know where, where, does, where, does, where does cultural appro- where do, When does cultural appropriation start causing harm? Can, can Cannot that same litmus be applied to uh, the idea of religious appropriation? that's something that you're taking something away from the community that it belongs to, without respect, without um, consent, Well, And I
0: think maybe this to me, to me, the line is a little bit clearer in cultural appropriation because I think respect is one thing, but there's also tied in with oppression, right? Cultural appropriation is often oppressive and it's often used as a way of um, forcibly indoctrinating cultures into other cultures and subsuming them. And it's often used in a way that is actually about removing people's ability to express their own cultures and to... And dehumanising the other. Yeah, yeah. And, and to do it in a way that, that that kind of takes away a culture's ability to to be truly itself and not kind of part of a different culture. Whereas I, I'm not sure that religious preparation does that in every case. I'm, I'm sure it does in some. But well, in
1: the same way that religion and culture are in some ways inextricably interlinked but are also incredibly separate in, in that they're also very separate things, of course we can't apply exactly the same approach to it in all cases either. Mm.
2: I, th- I think the other aspect of it that um, probably plays more of a part with religious appropriation than with cultural appropriation is, is we've talked a little about the, um, the impact on the appropriator, right? Um, and, and if you take seriously that there is, you know, some kind of spirituality to things, that, that there is more that exists than simply the material world and the things we kind of see and touch and whatever, then if, if you're religiously appropriating, do you, do you not run the risk in some respects of, of messing with something that you don't necessarily understand or are equipped to um, kind of deal with? In well, a way and I think that holds
0: but only if you agree with the religion you're appropriating from and I think that there's an interesting thing so like
2: well but so this is a like if if we take kind of secular Westerners mm-hmm. the spiritual but not religious types and, and that kind of thing as the kind of chief appropriators which I think I, I've kind of assumed in this conversation like we're we're deeply embedded in a materialistic worldview that says, you know well there isn't a something kind of really beyond that and and even if we see ourselves as spiritual like that we're still enmeshed in that worldview, right and so yeah i take your point jamal of like well i guess if you agree with that religion's premises but but what if that religion's premises are right and you're wrong Oh, it's a, very, right? it's a like, very objectivist view of, of the world. <laughs> <laughs> of, of course, it is. Yeah, yeah. But, but well, like, mum,
1: dad, don't fight. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, if there, but if there is. Kind of, if there is something more than you think there is, yeah, and and, and and why would you not take the claim seriously that the people about the thing are making about the thing? Well, Sorry. well I, yeah. I think
0: the reason you wouldn't take that claim seriously is because you don't believe it, right? So, like, I, 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 I in which I, case, why are you appropriating it? Like, what's a, well, and, Yeah, and, and this is trickier. Right? Like, I absolutely take your point, right? But I think the the interesting thing there is, like, yeah, that. God doesn't like it is a great reason to not appropriate things, but it only holds if you believe in God.
1: Well, well, then for me, it's like, well, okay, if you don't, you don't agree with the religion, you don't believe in the religion, you don't like the religion, you don't like what it says about God, but you like this shiny thing about its practice, and you're going to take that. Which I think is, yeah.
0: but that's exactly what people do, right? And I think, th- th- and that's, that's what I don't like. I, and I completely agree with you, right? That's
1: why I'm here. Yeah, because I got angry at Florence talking about Jesus and acting at the deity yeah
0: well and, and i think this this is a real this is the crux of it right because I, th- I think you're absolutely correct that that the the reason religious appropriation happens is because people don't respect and believe the religion right and then as somebody that does respect and believe the re- and the religion it's very easy to get offended and get upset and quite rightly so that oh, hold on i'm being hurt by the fact that you're taking something that i believe to have value and you know, legitimacy and using it in a different way. I, I, I guess I'm I'm just interested to try and unpack if there's is there a reason that it other than it it harms me by making me feel bad. Like, is there a reason that holds if you don't grant any religious premises?
2: I th- I think that to if you don't grant any religious premises. I, I think you can then appropriate whatever you want, right? But that—that that is. A, I don't think so. I think it's still
0: another not? reason not to. Well, this is, I, well I, okay. I well, what's know? the other
2: reason what not to then? This to is work a, out. like, be, be like. I mean, <laughs> if you don't grant any religious premise, why why are you appropriating things in the first place? Other than it kind of, it well, feels good. But because I feel like that leads you just right into that. Like, well, I'm an individual at the center of the universe, and I'm a nice little relativist that can. Do what I feel is right, and I feel like taking this Buddha statue is right. So I'm just gonna like. Y- well, so and, so and so I
0: think it comes back to the question of what is the harm, right? And, and I, I and I guess I'm trying to unpack that because I feel in instinctively like there is a harm to me or to the person I'm taking from to the person you're taking from. Okay. Oh, well, sure. Well, and yep. I, th- I think there is a harm to you, and we've spoken yeah, about yeah. that around like you're not yep. holding the the. True kind of value of what you're taking.
2: Well, for the harm to the person that I'm taking from isn't it just that I'm being a bit of a jerk and not acknowledging kind of their values, and I'm I'm writing rough over their values with my values, so, 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 which is it's just colonialism so, at that so, point.
0: So, so maybe it's oppressive, right? Yeah. So may, maybe the harm is similar to cultural appropriation. So maybe I was I was wrong in my first thought that maybe it is just it is just oppressive. And it's just a different way of being oppressive.
1: Sure. Yeah. It's like. Yeah. A,
0: yeah, which 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 then takes me to this interesting point of to loop this back. I can almost agree with one of your points on a totally different reason, which is that if we're going to say that religious appropriation is harmful because it is oppressive and because it is essentially uh, prioritizing your values over someone else's values and whatever else, um, then back to my golden rule of comedy, you can't you can't religiously appropriate from Christians in the West effectively because it is not oppressive to be punching up, to be taking iconography, to be doing things. I mean, it will make people feel bad and maybe you don't want to do it to make them feel bad, but there's nothing structurally harmful in it because if you're taking from the dominant group, it's not oppressive.
1: I think think the sticking point for me there is maybe structurally you're looking at things, but if you're looking at something structurally as a political structure, a cultural structure or something that is... And yes, to the extent a a religious, I guess, church-like structure, yeah, you're punching up, fine. But at the end of the day, religion is also not just a structure. It's an embedded worldview. It's an embedded way of being and living. And putting that same framework on a way of living and being that is both communal and individual just misses, just something's missing there for me.
2: Mm. I I think there's an extent to which kind of in the medium to long run, perhaps that that becomes destructive in the sense that it erodes the value structure or the perceived value structure of even the religion that you're punching up into. Um, And and I mean, like this is how culture change Mm. happens, right? Like, um,
1: and I, I also I also want to, I don't know if calling you out is the right word, uh, but I think punching up religion in a comedic setting is very different to taking something from, taking a practice from a local religious community that you don't engage with and saying it's okay just because they're there and I like it.
0: it- if they're the dominant religious community in that area, though, like if, like, I, I appreciate that in a kind of if it's a minority group, absolutely. But if it's if they're a dominant force in the culture, you're doing that
2: in. Well, so th- this is my question about culture change, right? Is is because and and this is because we're aware of the harms of oppression and colonialism and le- and everything else, right? But it it seems like there's almost this sense for minority groups be they cultural or religious or whatever that kind of nothing should ever really change for them and and almost a well if it does change in some way and if they become kind of closer to the majority in in whatever practice that might be we we question the agency of the minority group in that respect right because the the dominant culture can be just so dominant right like that that change is often not always seen as bad in that context and yet with the punching up that kind of inherently changes over time the meaning structures and the value that we place on certain things that that causes change to the dominant culture right like and i'm not saying that's a bad thing i'm just saying this is how cultural change works and it's it seems like there's an assumption sometimes that we're okay with the dominant culture changing, if, particularly if we're part of it and we see the need for it, but minority cultures, be they religious or whatever, should just kind of stay as they are because anything else is oppressive. Sorry if I've opened a no, big I, can I, of worms, I, I, right? I think
0: you used two words there that I think are really important in that conversation, which is structure and agency, right? Yeah. So, like, I think part of the reason we're okay with that is because, you know, Kind of having a go at or appropriating the structures of the dominant culture doesn't inherently limit the agency of the people within that culture because the structures are so dominant that they still have agency. Whereas you, if you. Yeah, you know, the, the issue with uh you know oppressing or restricting or changing a minority culture with, without permission or without kind of an express will of the people who are part of that culture is that that is a dominant structure imposing upon the agency of the people it's in a the power mon- imbalance oh, yeah right? it's a power yeah, imbalance yeah. right so so there's it's almost like I, I think that the premise here and this is a very liberalist premise right is that that Cultures can change as long as it is changed through agency and not through force of structure. And I think when you're dealing with minority groups, you're much more likely to be removing agency from people and you know, and not allowing them the agency to choose whether they want their culture to change. Whereas in a dominant culture that has a huge amount of structures behind it, it, it very little can impact the agency of... Of the, of the people in that because it is such a dominant thing that the agency is kind of just there anyway.
2: Although having said that, at, at least people's perception of the agency that they have can be limited. And and this is actually like white nationalism, mm. right? Like which, you know, <laughs> borrows or appropriates heavily from Christianity, right? Like, um, and, and and is in some senses, in, in some ways, Christian itself. But... But it, it, it experiences a lack of agency despite having all of those kind of structural advantages because a uh, someone from the, the right wing of white politics would argue that actually secular liberalism or secular progressivism that we talk about in Australia has all of that structural power and is using it to oppress their kind of sense of self and nationality and stuff. I'm not saying they're right, Mm. but I'm saying that that is experienced as a loss of agency.
1: Mm. I'm just feeling very deep down inside the rabbit hole right now. Mm. It's a great place to be, but it's also I I, I don't know how to get out.
0: So one way to get out is uh, it's through the the, the little windy tunnel that leads to this bar that a Christian and Buddhist walked into one time. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah. Just one time.
0: Oh, Many they, a time, you know, they, they, and usually, by, well, actually, well, sometimes we the get the into
2: rabbit holes in the bar. Anyway, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. But the, so, the, so, the Christian and the Buddhist they walk through the tunnel up into the bar today, uh, up past the kegs, um, and 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 they, they get to the top of the bar and they see the uh, the bartender there, and the bartender like, bartender's normally not a religious kind of person, but like, but this time they're just like, you know, they they've, they've suddenly got a crucifix on and they're they're they're, they're being kind like, of what? super religious, and they're like, oh, like you, you you found religion, no, yay. Go you. And the bartender's like, yeah, no, no. I, I I actually um I I actually found religion after I met Mike Tyson. Uh and and they were like, Oh, okay, like what happened with Mike Tyson? And he's like, Oh the, the dude punched me right in the face.
2: Hey. Yeah. That's a pun or play on words.
0: I it, it is. Um and
2: you know what else is also a play on words? What? Kevin McLeod. How is Kevin McLeod of Planned Words? Is it this week's Conspiracy? Theory? Oh, yeah,
0: no. Kevin McLeod actually plays on all of the words. Uh, th- that's how you can hear the, the little
2: maroombula kind of key sounds there. And he makes our music, which we're grateful for. We're grateful, Rebecca, that you have joined us. And Thank we're going you. to continue this conversation. There will be a part three coming. I'm still
1: very lost. It's true.
2: Well, we'll find our way out of the rabbit hole next week. We will see you then. Christian Uh, I love doing this with you, man. <laughs>